It's been quite a week, the sort when you might be reminded to hold your loved ones a little more tightly. On the one hand, the show of support for and solidarity with the people of Ukraine coming from a wide range of places and communities is awe-inspiring. An editorial in the New York Times called this the week that awoke the world. And I think we can feel some of that here in Geneva. There have been marches and demonstrations, church bells are sounding out, blue and yellow colors are sort of everywhere you look. So many are united in standing with the people of Ukraine right now. And at the same time, the assault continues in horrific ways. More than one million have fled the country with many more expected. So much remains unclear. How and when this conflict will end, what will become of this battered country and its people? What is clear is that the ground beneath our feet has been shaking. We can feel it in all sorts of ways. It's been quite a week, and here on this first Sunday in Lent, we are praying the words of Psalm 91 together. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, in an anxious and fearful time, when uncertainty is all around and the ground seems to be shaking, there are few more beautiful and comforting words. This psalm speaks of God with image after image of safety and security. God is a shelter, a refuge, a fortress, a deliverer, a protector. This is just the kind of God we want in times of upheaval. Yes, God, we pray. Be that for us. Even more, be that for the people in harm's way right now. Be their refuge. Be their protector. This psalm feels right to me this week. I'm glad to be praying it today. And yet there is something unsettling here too, isn't there? More than unsettling, there is something quite dangerous in this psalm. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, it says. No scourge shall come near your tent. Because you trust in God, it seems to say, nothing bad will ever happen to you. I learned this week that this particular psalm has a long history of being inscribed in amulets. For millennia, Jews and Christians both have carried snippets of this text around with them for protection. The idea behind a practice like that is very understandable and very simple. If you say the right words, if you wear the right necklace, if you believe strongly enough, you will be protected from all harm. You can see where that idea comes from in this psalm. But wow, does it feel wrong to me. It's hard to even know where to begin. It's bad theology because it reduces God to something we can control. It's bad theology because it ignores the countless people of immense faith who have nonetheless suffered great loss and hardship. It is bad theology because it necessarily ties the suffering of innocent people to a lack of faith. After all, if they just trusted in God more, they would have been protected, right? Like I said, we are in dangerous territory here. 
There is a whole lot wrong with the idea that if you just believe strongly enough, nothing bad will ever happen to you. It is such bad theology, in fact, the devil likes it. You might have noticed that in the third of the temptations he puts before Jesus, he quotes this particular psalm. Standing up at the pinnacle of the temple, at this very high place above a bustling city, he invites Jesus to throw himself to the ground, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. The devil knows his Bible, apparently, and he is fond of the amulet interpretation of this psalm. Come on, you're the son of God, right? The psalm says God will protect faithful people from every possible harm, and who's more faithful than you? So go ahead, you're protected, you're invincible, right? The devil knows that old familiar interpretation, and Jesus rejects it for the bad theology that it is. That's not how God works, Jesus says. Life with God is not about invincibility. It's not that way for people, and it won't be that way for me. Life with God involves risk and danger and costly obedience. If we look closely here, we can already see the cross beginning to emerge on the horizon. Okay. So let's take a cue from Jesus and set that damaging theology aside. Faith doesn't make you invincible. It doesn't protect you from every harm. Jesus' own life makes that as clear as can be. But what do we do with all the beautiful language in this psalm then? If God doesn't necessarily shield the faithful from every possible trouble, what does it mean to call God a refuge, a fortress, a deliverer? Nearly 500 years ago, right here in Geneva, John Calvin compared scripture to a set of reading glasses. We are like a person with bleary vision, trying to read a book with very fine print, he said. Without our glasses, it's all a blur. We can scarcely make out a word. But with our glasses in place, things begin to come into focus. We see things we couldn't before. Letters and words begin to emerge and coalesce into ideas, and soon enough we are reading. That is what scripture can do, Calvin said. It's like a good set of glasses. It can help us see the world more clearly. And biblical scholar Ellen Davis adds this to Calvin's image. When we read the Bible deeply, she says, we can see where we are. The world itself may not be any safer, but our place in it is more secure our movement through it more certain. I want to repeat those words of hers. The world itself may not be any safer, but our place in it is more secure, our movement through it more certain. Now that sounds like good theology to me. That is what reading the Bible deeply can do, and it is also what life with God is like. It is not always a smooth ride, There aren't always angelic forces clearing every obstacle from our way. Trials come. Times of loss and wilderness come. But through it all, we know who we are. And we know who is with us. That is the picture of Jesus that we actually have in front of us this morning. The world around him is full of danger. He's in the wilderness, far from the usual supports for life. 
He's hungry. He's without human companionship. The tempter is there at his side. It is a bleak picture, and yet his place in the world is secure. His movement through it is certain. That's what his trust in God provides, not invincibility or an easy path, but a deep sense of groundedness. He knows who he is. He knows that God is with him, and he knows that ultimately his life is in God's hands. Because you've made the Lord your refuge, the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. When I hear those words of the psalm and look at them through Jesus' life, they look completely different. Seen through his life, they are not about some sort of magical protection, but about identity, about being deeply secure in the love of God. We are invited to make ourselves at home in God's love, to make that our dwelling place, our refuge. And when we do that, when we entrust our whole selves to God, no evil can take us away. No snare, no obstacle, no pestilence, no power can snatch us from the love that is our true home. We're just a few days into Lent, this time of preparation and reflection. It's a season that comes with sort of a big focus on practices, on doing things. Prayer and fasting and giving alms, maybe giving something up. All good practices, all worthwhile. But we can sometimes end up with the impression that this season is about trying harder, being better, impressing God. That's not what it's meant to be at all. The practices of Lent are all there to draw us back to God. They are to restore us in faith, to send us back to the source of our hope and our life, to return us to our daily walk of following Jesus. This season is for following Jesus in making the Lord our refuge, in finding ourselves secure in God's love. Wherever you may be in these difficult days, God means to be your foundation, your dwelling place. Come what may, fears, trials, griefs, worries, wilderness times, that dwelling remains certain. Your place in the world remains secure. Remember who you are, friends, God's beloved children. And remember who is with you, the one who remains faithful, all the way to the cross. Thanks be to God. Amen.